Yo, yo, what is up? This is Raphael from NBA Big Board, and I have Sam Ferris from the Draft Dummies on the show today. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the exciting 2022 NBA rookie class. So I guess it was the class of 2021, but we're going to talk about who's the most exciting rookie, the rookie of the year, and the best five rookies going forward. Stay tuned. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made NBA Big Boy your first listen of the day. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate it. I almost said locked on NBA draft. I have to <laughs> make sure that I don't say locked on NBA draft, but just shout out to each and every person that has supported the channel as we've made the transition. And today my guest is Sam Ferris. If you've been listening on locked on NBA draft, you know, Sam from the NBA, well, not NBA, but draft dummies. Always had great insight. And now he is, this is our first time working together. This is our, our first podcast together, which is, it's long overdue. Sam, man, what is, what is going on? How, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. I know it is a, a bit overdue, but I think we've got a fun topic to hit on today and always excited to talk hoops and uh, this rookie class has a special place in my heart and I haven't had a chance to talk about the rookie of the year race with anyone yet so I'm looking forward to it yeah for those that are wondering why it's been so long overdue and I, I mean I, I'll take the blame for it I've spent the past <laughs> few months overseas and the time difference has been really really crazy so most of my episodes since November have been solo I've probably done three episodes total where I had a guest on. So the solo episodes are tough. I mean, it's literally like 30 minutes of just talking to myself <laughs> in an empty room yep. on a computer and imagining an offense. Uh, I'm sorry, imagining an audience. I'm still a little jet lagged. I just got back from the States, had a, a ridiculously long travel travel day, but I'm trying to get back adjusted. So I, I, I'll take the blame for not having Sam on earlier and, and um, he is in the mountain time zone, which is even an extra hour makes it a lot different. So it's anywhere from a seven to eight hour time difference from where I was at. So now that I'm back in the States, I plan on being here for a little while. I mean, it, it'd be easier for me to collaborate and have different guests on. All right, but let, let's, let's, let's get right off into it. Who is your rookie of the year. This is like a controversial topic. I, I did a show with, with Chad Ford and we talked about the rookie of the year. I said it should be a split between Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. And my at mentions were getting torn up by <laughs> Detroit Pistons fans. And I mean, they gave me all these different statistics about what Cade was doing after the all-star break. I mean, phenomenal stats. So then you had Jalen Green, which, I mean, it was probably a little too late for him to, to you know, get, get in the race. But he finished strong, which I kind of take it with a grain of salt in a sense because I know, like, every year in March, somebody, whether it's a rookie or somebody, just has, like, these ridiculous numbers. And then you wonder, like, if they can carry that same momentum in. Not saying that I don't think he can, but, I mean, the numbers were pretty crazy. I think he had, like, 40 his last game or something like that, 41 his last game. 
So I, I put myself out there. I, I, I said it should be a split and I rewarded winning over the individual stats. Who is your choice for rookie of the year? Yeah, well, first I got to say, I don't think it mattered who you picked. Uh, all these fan bases are so passionate about their rookies. I think uh, regardless of which way you went, you were going to get some uh, feedback in your mentions there. But for me, so I had the same three guys. I had a different order. So I went Evan Mobley. I'm going number one. And then Cade, I'm going two. And then Scotty Barnes, three. Um, so again, that same top three, but a little bit different order. And my case for Evan Mobley is kind of similar to yours for Scotty Barnes. I think he contributed more to winning than any other rookie this season. I do think at times we have a tendency or we can, however you want to say it, we can fall victim to this recency bias where Mobley was hurt towards the end of the season and the Cavs fell off. They just weren't the same team down the stretch. And now, frankly, it looks like they might not even make the playoffs. But my thing is, if you look at this season, like if you were to just flip the Cavs season around and just say, instead of the weak finish to the season, which is what we remember seeing last, if their start of the season was in fact their end of the season, you just flip it around and look at it like that. I think he would have a ton of momentum and would win this race going away. So I think that's kind of the way I look at it is I try to not just look at the last few weeks or the last few months even. I'm trying to look at the whole season and balance it out. And if you remember to just a few months ago, like pretty much everybody agreed that Mobley was the runaway winner. And so while I think the other guys have kind of narrowed the gap, I still think I got to go with Evan Mobley over the course of the season. I think he's had the most impact. You know, what's interesting about, about your comment is, and, and on one hand, I agree, but then on the other hand, I disagree because we have seen guys win the rookie of the year award the media gave them the, the award early. Like, for example, I felt yeah, like Lucas sure. rookie year, they gave it to him early. Trey Young had a case to win rookie of the year, but it was already kind of like given to him. And here's another example for you in Utah. I felt like Donovan Mitchell should have been rookie of the year, but it's like the media had already given it to Ben Simmons so early that it was too late for Donovan to, to win. So I, I've seen like, both ends no that's a good point and i think the people the people here in utah are still upset about that donovan mitchell one too so i certainly i i understand i think you can look at it either way i think you yeah. make a really good point though yeah yeah and i think this year like this is one year that i don't i have no idea who could like if if mobley wins hands down it wouldn't surprise me if they give it to scotty barnes it wouldn't surprise me if they give it to Cade, it wouldn't surprise me like this is the one year where i mean i i haven't that i can remember where it's like a three-man race where i mean there's three guys that have a strong case to to be the rookie of the year where did you have mobley on your board last year at this time yeah, so he, he would definitely move up. So I had him in the same tier as Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green. So I had Cade kind of a half tier above those three, and then those three in a tier together. I would still move him up from there, obviously. The reason, and Jalen Suggs didn't have the season that these other guys had, just really struggled to shoot the ball mainly. 
Um, and then injuries also kind of bit him as well. The reason why I basically, like I said, I had those three guys in the same tier. I viewed them all very similarly as prospects, but kind of my thought process in the past was that when I had bigs in the same tier as wings and guards, I would kind of automatically move the bigs down to the bottom of the tier. But I think I've kind of reevaluated that moving forward. And I think the reason I was kind of wrong about that is because Evan Mobley just is not a traditional big. He's just so much more versatile than that. And that's kind of the key to why he was so good and so effective this year for Cleveland is he didn't even really play as their traditional big. He allowed them to play Jared Allen next to him. And because of that versatility defensively, he helped them unlock the defense that kind of propelled them this season. So I think that's where I kind of, that was kind of a misstep for me. And that's kind of helped me reevaluate a little bit looking forward. So it's not like I was low on him per se. I think I just slightly undervalued his versatility defensively and kind of just categorized him too much as just a traditional big in a sense. Now, do you think that how you view, like how you rank the rookies, do you think that is how it's going to play out in the media? Or do you think the media is going to choose someone totally different? It seems to me like Scotty Barnes is going to win. I think if I had to guess, I'd go Barnes 1, Mobley 2, K3. That's kind of the read that I have on it right now. Which is crazy because, and I don't want to say I wasn't high on Barnes. I was wrong on Scotty Barnes. I did not see this type of scoring output, this assertiveness on offense. And it's kind of made me look at a couple prospects in this 2022 draft that I am not as high on because I'm like, this guy is an assertive. He tries to fit in as opposed to standing out. And then I have to wonder, like, was it Florida State holding Scotty back? Was it Nick Nurse putting, like, uh, I don't know, a battery in his back and charging him full of confidence? I can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but, you know, I mean, on draft day, I remember everybody being shocked that he went ahead of Jalen Suggs. And, I mean, I think most mocks had automatically just plugged Suggs, Toronto, Kyle Lowry replacement. And, I mean, Masai knows exactly what he's doing. So it's hard to, uh, you know, to, to bet against Masai. All right. Before we get into the next segment, I, I, I actually want to talk to you in the next segment about like your your overall rookie rankings. We'll go to like your top 10 rookies, which I think this class is deep enough to where you can rank up to five to 10 rookies. But I want to talk to the audience about Bet Online, and that is because BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the playoffs, which get started this weekend and the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And BetOnline is where the game starts. All right. Thank you for making NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. Now, I will suggest you check out the Locked On Now podcast. Crazy play of words there. And the Locked On Now podcast 
gives you recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and it is available wherever you get your podcast. All right, this is Raphael, NBA Big Board, Sam Ferris, Draft Dummies. I keep wanting to say NBA Draft Dummies because I run NBA Draft Junkies. And I know people have gotten us confused before and almost got us confused here mm-hmm. on this on this, on this this uh, podcast. All right, so give me your this year. So unfortunately, there's only two rookie teams. Let's say there were... Yep. Three, if if you if you have a list that that long, who is your first team all rookie? Uh-huh. Let's see how many guys I have listed out. I think I can go to like 14, 15 guys here. So okay, so the first team I think uh, four I, I meant spots to warn are you. locked in. I, I meant to warn you not to cut you off. When I'm the host, I kind of put guys on the hot seat a little bit. So sorry for cranking the temperature no, up on good. your seat and putting you on the spot. So, but I know if there's one guy no, you're who I know is prepared to talk about the rookies and the first year guys with, I mean, in depth, I know it was you. So you're the perfect guy for it. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're good. All right. Um, so y'all no rookie worries. team, first team, all rookie. Okay. First team, all rookie. I think four guys are easy locks, and I think we talked about three of them, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Franz Wagner. I think those four guys are easy for me. I think Franz has kind of been the underrated rookie that has been pretty much on par with those top three guys, but hasn't quite got that notoriety this season. So for me, easy lock for the first team. The, la- the last spot on the first team has been up for a lot of debate on social media. Yes. It's the Herb Jones versus Jalen Green uh, battle. And I think both sides have good arguments. If you're looking purely at how much did this player affect winning as a rookie, I think it's totally fine to take Herb Jones. But the way I look at it is more a mix of how much they affected winning, but also just their production and also just my feel for them as prospects looking forward. So it's kind of a mix of all those because for rookies, the expectation is not that they come in. Most rookies don't really contribute to winning. That's not really the expectation. And I just think a few years from now, when we look at back at this, I think Jalen Green is going to be a multi-time, multiple-time all-star And I just don't want to dock him too much for playing for a bad team and having a rough start to a season. And he's multiple years younger than Herb Jones. So whatever way you want to look at this, I end up leaning putting Jalen Green on that first team because I just think that's going to look smart a few years from now when we look back at this. I've always been a little bit higher on Jalen Green. I think he has an argument to be a top two or three prospect in this class looking forward. So I include him there. And then Herb Jones would then take my first spot on the second team. Is that where you lean to, or did you differ from me there? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was going to go with um, with, with Jalen Green, but I, we'll, we'll talk about it in the next segment about going forward because going forward is yeah. totally different than than, um, than than where we at today. All right, your second team. So you, you're going to start off with Herb yep. Jones. So Herb Jones and then Josh Giddy, Shengun, Bones. Let's see, is that four guys? Yep. Herb Jones, Giddy, 
Shengun Bones, and then Ayo Desunmu, I would put fifth on that list. Right. And, yeah. and so he ran out the first team. So you got two guys that, that are second team all rookie that were very, very lightly regarded in draft circles all last summer. And it, so in your opinion, does that make you uh, look at some of the prospects in 2022 a lot different? Like, I feel like with AO, he did everything that you w- want a prospect to do when he came back to school the next year. He improved his shooting. He played well. And it did very little for his draft stock. It was almost like, and I mean, I'm, I'm talking about myself too. Most people were just convinced he is who he is and more focus was on maybe his lack of position or what he can't do as opposed to what he does well and he has outperformed you know most people's expectations probably not his but he's outperformed most expectations same thing with herb jones it was held against him that he was older he couldn't shoot we all knew that he was a toolsy guy that could do a little bit of everything has it made you change your, your thought process on some guys for this year? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think it's interesting because I did a little quick study on this for one of the episodes I did recently where I looked back over recent history at the all-rookie teams. And over the last like 10 or so years, I think on average, because you know 10 guys make the all-rookie team, there's two teams, on average, like six guys from those teams end up being like solid rotation players or better, but like four guys on average don't really end up being that much in the NBA. You know, I don't want to just like call out guys, but recent history, guys like Eric Pascal, where, you know, you end up in a situation where the team needs you to produce, you put up numbers, you're an older guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a great NBA player. So... The all-rookie team, to me, like, certainly it's a good thing. It's good pub for the player and the team, but it's not really the best predictor. Um, I was higher on Herb Jones. I talked about, like, if a guy outside of the lottery ends up being an all-defensive-level player, I think it's Herb Jones. I said that before the draft. Now, did I think he would be that as a rookie? No, I, I did not think he'd be that good this early. But the physical tools were there with him. Ayo Desunmu was a guy that I, I think I did. I didn't believe him in him quite as much. And I think I just didn't value that he basically has no weakness. Like he does everything pretty well for a guard with decent size. And so I think I did undervalue that to an extent. Yeah, I know I did. I mean, I liked him, but I, and I even mentioned it. He did everything you want a guy to do when he tests the waters and then decides to come back. But for whatever reasons, I wasn't impressed enough to, to move the, the needle to put him as a, as a first rounder. All right. I'm not going to ask you to make a third team, mm-hmm. but name a few guys. And if you have five, great, but name a few guys that just miss your, your first and second team that you think in a normal year, that is not as star packed and star studded as this would have been all rookie team performers. Sounds good. I'll give you like, yeah, I'll give you three guys that just kind of missed the cut for me there. So Chris Duarte was one, Trey Mann, and then Jonathan Kaminga. All of them have different cases. 
with Kaminga, like the raw stats weren't quite as good, but the eye tests, um, he was able to come in and actually play well in a role for a legit contender. I, I didn't think he would be able to do that as a rookie. He just kind of was better in all facets than I expected, was able to pick up the system and just not be a big negative as a teenager for a good team. So that was more than I expected to see him play that role for a good team. And so he definitely, to me, and like, because like you said, this year, there was a ton of depth. A lot of rookies played well compared to the average year. I think in an average year, he'd make one of these two teams. Again, the raw numbers weren't quite as good because of the role he played on a good team. And then Trey Mann, to me, is one of the guys that I think I like more than the consensus moving forward. And I, I did in the draft as well. Just an elite shot and space creator off the bounce and like his scoring numbers he put up a couple different 30 point games as rookies as a rookie i think had like a 20 point quarter as well so when he gets hot he gets really hot and again just the eye test with him he's got special offensive talent where i think it'll be next year it could be next year or the year after i think he could blow up and and potentially be like an 18 to 20 point scorer uh, whether he ends up being kind of like that six-man type or good enough to start, uh, I think that's up for debate. But just a lot of good flashes this year, and he's going to get time for a, 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 an OKC team that continues to rebuild. And then the last one, Chris Duarte uh, played well. The efficiency was solid. I think he he was just kind of like decent at everything, did suffer some injuries. And I think the negative with him is, frankly, he played for a Pacers team that not a lot of people watched. I don't think they were the most interesting team to watch this year. Didn't generate a ton of buzz in the media. And he's not the most sexy prospect because he's already 24. So I understand all those things. I understand him not making it because it's a deeper year. But he, to me, probably was the last cut. Interesting about the Pacers was I saw that O'Shea Brissett led the team uh -huh. in almost every statistical category. And that's because not everybody qualified because they didn't play the minimum game. So I thought that was very, very interesting. All right. When we return, I want to get your, your top 10 guys overall. Like if this was a redraft, the top 10 guys that you like going forward, but I have to talk to the audience about Bill Bar, And that's because it's, it's obviously it's, it's mid April and most people have, pretty much given up on their new year's resolutions. Like if you have, I have hope for you. I can get you to eat right. And that is with a built bar. And I mean, the built bar puffs. I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. Basically, if you're missing out, then you're definitely missing out. You should try one. And that's because the puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. And it's not just a protein bar, it's a treat. And it is covered with 100% real chocolate. And so if you've broken your New Year's resolution and you want to eat healthy, but you want to eat something that is tasty, I'm definitely suggesting you try out the Puffs. They've been a fan favorite. They have these different flavors from this cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow. They have banana cream pie. And they're, like I said, they're 100% covered in real chocolate. Yes, 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high protein. You can replace your candy bars with these so you can move the Snickers to the side, get one of the puffs simply because they're better. 
And a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Now, if you go to build.com and you scroll down to the macros chart, you pretty much be blown away. It's high protein, low cal, high fiber, low carbs, and most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Now, if you compare that to your favorite candy bar, it's around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So again, check out the built bar. They have different flavors from milk brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, and I call this the Jason Williams. I call this the Jason Williams flavor, just the white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious. They have new flavors coming out all the time. And if you, you think that there's a flavor that might be good, hit them up. They'll make it. And I can guarantee you it will be delicious. But more importantly, it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it delicious first, and then they kind of figure out a way to make it healthy. I shouldn't say kind of. They do figure out a way to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. So go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. All right, once again, Raphael, NBA Big Board, Sam Ferris, Draft Dummies. I already put them on the hot seat unexpectedly, but this one is a, a, a little, I mean, I mean, it's probably not as hot as, as the first time. It, it is tough coming up with three all rookie teams, but he handled it well. Now I want to find out if you were doing a redraft based off of the information that you, you have today, who are your top 10 rookies or players from this class going forward? Sounds good. No, I'm prepped for this one. I got 10 and then I got two honorable mentions. So, but to me, the hardest part is the top three. It is between Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, and Jalen Green. Honestly, if you told me this ended up like with any of these three guys at number one, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I am almost evenly split between the three. So the way that I'm going to, the way that I look at it is I'm kind of just going to stay right now with how I had it pre-draft. I'm going to stay Cade one, Jalen green two, and Evan Mobley three. That this part's the toughest for me. I would be ecstatic to have any of those three guys moving forward. And I would not be surprised if any one of them ended up being the best player from this class. All right, so my question for you is what makes it so Scotty Barnes is outside of those top three? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Maybe I'm sticking too much to my pre-draft analysis where, you know, you talked about having him too low pre-draft. I, I wasn't super low. I think I had him eighth pre-draft. That certainly looks too low now. And I do have Scotty Barnes fourth on this list looking forward so i think i was i did underrate him to an extent but i just i there's no way to me that he can be the number one offensive player on a legit contender and i while i do like his versatility and his smarts defensively and the physical tools are good too i don't see him being like an all defense all nba first team defense guy either and so to me, I see him more as a very good third best player 
on like a championship level contending team again maybe i'm still underrating him the the scoring like we talked about ended up being much better than i expected there's no way i expected him to score 15 a game as a rookie right so i've kind of always underrated him all along the way maybe i'm still doing it but i i just i do view the top three guys in this class on a different tier above him I don't see how he can get to that level of a score, and I like him defensively, but that threshold that those top three guys are at, like, I view those three guys as, like, multiple-time all-stars, and so that's a high bar to clear for me. Understandable. Like, if you would have told me Scotty Barnes averaged 15 a game this year, I, I probably would have been like, ah, I can't see it, but then I would have said, okay, if he averages 15 a game, it's going to be on a team like the Thunder. Yeah a team that is really, really bad, but 15 a game on a team in the playoffs, that's not even like in a playoff in the play in tournament, like a legitimate playoff team that, I mean, that would have been tough for me to, to believe. All right. So the top four is pretty easy. I I, I agree. I think almost everybody's top four is probably going to be the same. It's pretty consistent. At number five, this is where it, it becomes somewhat of 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 a challenge who who is number five on on your board as far as guys from the 2021 class going forward so i've got two guys in the same tier together they both play for the magic it's jalen suggs and then franz wagner i have suggs just a little above him because again i'm sticking to my pre-draft where i loved him as a prospect i'm not gonna fall like I'm not going to drop him too much because of the shooting issues you have he had. Yes, it was a worry, but like small sample shooting sizes, you don't want to overreact to those. Like if you look at his Gonzaga numbers, he was fantastic shooting the ball off the bounce, like one of the best in college basketball and so I'm just hoping those that bounces back and I love the rest of his game. I think he's going to be like a borderline all defensive guard. I view him a lot in the mold of a guy like Drew Holiday, who can be a very good guard that plays a role and is a winner and very good defender on a championship level competing team. And so, yes, I'm guessing that I'm still higher on him than most everyone else, especially after you could argue a slightly disappointing rookie season, but I'm not ready to st- to sell off my Jalen Suggs stock yet. Okay. All right. So that is... That is five and six. That so was who, four and four. Uh, yeah, that was five and six. Five and six. Right. All right. Yeah. So who rounds out your, your top 10? All right. So seven, eight, nine, ten. So I've got Shengun seven, Josh Giddy eight, Jonathan Kuminga nine. And then the guy I talked about earlier, I've got Trey Mann. So a bit of a surprise up there at number 10. Zyra Williams. I was not high. And, and this is our last question. I was not high on him on draft day. I... Felt like the numbers were awful. There was, I mean, of yeah. course you saw the potential. I felt like he was getting a buzz based off of his high school hype, but I was confused and I'm still confused to this day why he got the benefit of the doubt and BJ Boston did not And it is huge, like 40 something picks be between them. So with Zaire Williams being a top 10 pick, and I don't know if he was your, your, your other honorable mention, and then was it Davion Mitchell or did you go with Bones? For my other honorable mention? Yep. Uh, no. So looking forward, actually, number 12, a guy we haven't mentioned yet is Isaiah Jackson, who I've always liked. 
more than consensus. I think that's right about where I had him on draft night. Um, everybody has gotten a chance to play for the Pacers at the end of the season, like you said, but on a per minute basis, he's been very, very productive, just a crazy dynamic athlete and a very young kid still. So I love his potential and always did back to his days. Uh, just last year at Kentucky. So he's the guy I actually have at number 12. To your point with Zaire Williams, I was in the same boat as you. Like I liked him a lot coming into college, like his pre-draft stuff, but man, it was, it was, it was rough. Brutal. It was yeah. brutal. And so I've actually drawn some comparisons to Pat Baldwin this year, like similar frame, similar shooting ability, the skill, but not a lot of physicality, but has the size that teams look for on the wing. So I'm interested to see kind of the difference there where can Pat Baldwin go in, shoot the lights out in workouts and move up just because of how he looks in those workouts, his frame and just the skill level at that size with the pre-college sample. But yeah, like there's there was no reason based off what you saw at Stanford with Zaire Williams that he should have gone top 10. And I was... I was pretty shocked he went that high, especially in an organization like Memphis. Now, I understood them kind of thinking, you know, we've got a good team. Let's swing for the fences here. And, you know, the reviews were mixed as a rookie, but it's worth noting that he did play for them and didn't kill him when he was on the floor. And so, like, I think it went as about as well as I would have expected. But like you, I was lower than him coming into the draft. Yeah, and I mean, you you just opened a whole can of worms about the whole Patrick Baldwin <laughs> thing. I, I would love to talk to you about that yeah. in, in, in another podcast because if Baldwin goes top 10 with the season he had, then it's almost like I'm just going to start advising highly regarded kids. Don't even go to college. It doesn't even matter what you do. Just prepare for the combine. <laughs> and, and you can shoot. I mean, his – Field goal percentage look more like a batting average than a field goal percentage. I know. Yeah, and, that's a whole different topic because Shaden Sharp, too. Like, what if he had played, you know, if he played one game, for example, and just really struggled and then they sat him out, does he just, like, drop a ton? Like, to me, it was probably smart that he didn't play at all because I think he's going to end up going top seven without ever playing in college. So Yeah, he, he still has to declare. I mean, there's some rumblings yeah, that he's going to we'll go see. back, but we'll see. Well, man, thank you so much for, for coming on. I know this was, uh, I mean, it, it, it was fun for me. It was long overdue. For the audience that is is new to, to you and your work, where can they, they find you at on social media? Yeah, you can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. You've probably seen my account before. I've had the same logo for a while, but always there posting some stats, my thoughts, and a lot of clips as well, both of rookies, but also of the next class of guys. So I love doing both of that, and I'm always watching basketball. So, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. Sounds good. I mean, similar to me, I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff, and I'm just thankful for this opportunity and this platform to talk basketball and, and meet other guys like yourself because, like, I mean, I, I know this is kind of, like, off topic a little bit. I'm supposed to be wrapping up, but sometimes I feel like when I used to talk draft to, like, my, my friends or guys at barbershops, it was very generic, basic conversations, but then yeah. you meet like some quote unquote, like draft nerds or draft dummies. And then you can say, well, yeah, you know, you shot 37% on pull-ups off the dribble. I think, and it feels good to know that there's some other people that have the same type of know, bandwidth right. to, to talk about the draft. So 
Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. All right, before we go, I want to talk to everyone about the Locked On NBA podcast, and it is the Locked On experts that are covering the biggest stories around the NBA. It is every Monday through Friday, and they get it done in less than 30 minutes. It is free, and it is available wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Rafael Barlow, NBA big boy. I still represent NBA draft jummies, NBA draft junkies. I tried to say dummies and junkies at the same time with my guy Sam Ferris from draft dummies and we are out